Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party, an Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going today? I'm doing really good. This is an episode that I obviously love from the title. Yeah. Today we are discussing why numbers matter in Apex and you know how having a better understanding of just three certain numbers that we're going to be looking at can help you win more games. But before we do any of that, make sure you join us on Discord to chat Apex, find teammates, and receive third-party updates. Link to join us in the description. If you'd like to join the third-party nation and help continue this incredible community, please consider supporting us on Patreon. If you do, you could be listening to this episode earlier before anyone else. Pretty cool. There's also additional benefits like ad-free listening, gaming sessions with us, Discord benefits, merch, private episodes, much, much more. Thank you to all the patrons. Thank you to the patrons. Let's go straight into it. That's what the Saturday episode is all about. We're going to be looking at the top numbers to look at in Apex and why you should look at those. This is going to be a great episode because we got a fun little surprise coming up here. To do this, we wanted to invite on the show a member of our community and a longtime supporter of the show, Dan. This guy is a numbers whiz and many times has been asked to be a soundboard for us, a consultant, if you will, for us to help analyze different numbers in Apex. So today we're welcoming Dan as a third-party consultant on all things numbers. Welcome, Dan. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. It's a, it's a privilege. It's really cool to have you. Yeah, we're so excited to have you on the show. I think uh, we mentioned it before uh, off air, but Henry and I have just had so many conversations with you about numbers and everything since you've joined the community. And so it's great that we're finally not going to share your numbers without you on the show. We're going to let you shine a little bit today. <laughs> I appreciate that. I love this stuff and I've loved having those conversations with you too. So I'm excited to share it with the community. Awesome. Perfect opportunity. To prepare for this episode, we collaborated on some Apex number crunching, but before we get into the top three numbers players need to consider, Dan, can you help us answer the question, why do we care about numbers? Absolutely. Absolutely. I know a lot of this stuff can kind of go over people's heads, and, and that's just because Apex is a very, very complicated game. There's so many numbers in Apex Legends. There's damage per bullet, magazine size, fire rate, reload speed, tactical reload speed. Then you got headshot multiplier, bullet velocity, ability cooldowns. It goes on and on and on. And so when we have this tidal wave of information coming at us, it can get really tough to make any sort of sense of it. So we kind of have to break things down and, and organize them into a few key numbers that we can compare weapon to weapon and make a lot more sense. And to give you an idea about that, how each of these numbers are really important, but on their own, they don't really have any meaning. For example, is, is a 25 round magazine good? Well, it depends. It, it depends how much damage each bullet, each bullet does. All right, let's say each bullet does 20 damage. So is it good now? Well, it depends. It depends how fast it shoots. If it shoots as fast as a sniper, that's not really all that good. But if it shoots like an SMG, that's the best gun in the game. So on their own, those three numbers, magazine size, damage, and fire rate, don't mean anything. But if we look at them together, we're able to create our own numbers that do make sense. So that's what we're meaning when we say crunching the numbers in Apex Legends. 
Our goal with the segment is to show you which of these numbers are the most important, how we come up with them, and why you should care about them too. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I hope that helps to clear up some people as to why are we almost nerding out on this? Like there's so much to look at. Why even look? Why not just play? And I'll just add before we really get into the meat of it, there's always going to be, oh, what about this? What about that? What if you're hip firing? Or what if I don't have an optic? Or what if it's a burst weapon and I hit headshots? Or what if I'm really good with this weapon? Sure, you're right. There are so many variables that it's nearly impossible to process in game where a gunfight can be over in as little as one second. So based on that, I don't really want to hear, oh, you just get good with the wingman. You'll win every fight. If you want the truth, if you want real advice, I think you should trust these numbers and work your skill logically through the best options available. And so today, we've selected three numbers that we believe to be the most important in any game of Apex, whether it be ranked or pubs, BR or arenas. This is going to be really exciting. I think you said it very well. We got a ton of variables and that's going to always make the impact on what you want to do. And so looking at it in this uh, vacuum, I think that we get to do helps us learn those little things that can get that edge. But Dan, we're going to let you lead on this first one and start us off with the first number of the day in time to kill, which is probably the most universal for anyone that's been playing shooters for a while in terms of being able to understand it. So I'm excited to hear some of this breakdown. Absolutely. Thank you. If, if you've played a shooter like Apex Legends, you've heard of Time to Kill, or its very similar partner, DPS, but we'll get to that in just a second. So with Time to Kill, what is it? Well, it, it's pretty literal. It's the time it takes for you to kill someone with this weapon. There are a couple of variables that we'll get to that influence that number, but first off, how we calculate it. Let's take the Volt, for example. The Volt does 15 damage to the body per shot. So if you're shooting at an enemy with 150 health, which is white shield, that's what you spawn with, then that'll take 10 bullets. If you look on the Wikipedia for the game, you can see that the rounds per minute fired by the Volt is 720. So you divide that by 60 for 60 seconds to find how, many, how much time passes between each shot. Then you can multiply that number by, in this case, 9, because you presume the first bullet fires instantly. And that will give you your time to kill. It basically means the time between after you press the trigger on the first shot to when that last bullet hits the target to kill them. In, this, in the Volt's case, that ends up being 0.75 seconds for an enemy with 150 health. So why is this important? Well, the number one thing that people typically look at when you're looking at uh, the damage potential of guns is DPS versus time to kill. And usually those are pretty similar because if you're looking at a weapon like the RE45 versus the R99, the DPS will give you a pretty good indicator of how long it will take to kill someone with that weapon. But if you're looking at something like the Prowler, which is making a lot of waves this most recent season especially, weapons with burst fire modes can have very different time to kills compared to their DPS values. For example, the most recent changes to the Prowler had it drop from 14 damage, or sorry, from 15 damage per bullet to 14 damage per bullet. 
How significant is that? If if you haven't looked at some of these numbers, you just think that's one damage. That's not going to do anything. The gun's the most broken gun in the game. One damage isn't going to do anything. I'm upset. All right. Well, if you break it down, pre-nerf, it would take 0.62 seconds to kill an enemy with 150 health with that 15 damage per bullet because it would only take two bursts. But now, with that 14 damage per bullet, you have to take an 11th bullet, which is the third burst. So that puts that time to kill all the way down to 0.86 seconds, which ends up being a quarter of a second, 0.24 seconds slower from one damage takeoff on the Prowler. So when you look at time to kill versus DPS, the DPS didn't change very much, but the time to kill, which is what you actually experience in-game, changed significantly. So this is why I tend to prefer time to kill over DPS. So all that aside, what is the, the weapon with the best time to kill in Apex Legends? Just like we've talked about before with other weapon comparisons, we're going to be using purple armor, purple attachments, that sort of thing. So 200 health on the enemy, all, all purpled out weapon. The numbers might surprise you because you'd think, oh, it, it's got to be the R99. It, it's it's got to be the Prowler. The, the that's R301. what the streamers tell me, Dan. Exactly. That's what everybody's <laughs> using. Mm-hmm. But if you actually look at it, the best weapon in Apex Legends is the Havoc. <laughs> I love it. Believe I know, it or it, not, folks. Believe it or not. On the condition, however, that you have the turbocharger. And this has always been the story of the Havoc. If you don't have the turbocharger, it's really, really weak. The time to kill on purple armor is 1.4 seconds. Compare that to some of the other guns we mentioned, like the R301 is at 1.04. The flatline is at 1.00. So that's almost a half second difference. That's enormous. But you throw that turbocharger in there and the Havoc drops down to 0.99 seconds. It's the only weapon in the game that can kill an enemy at purple armor in less than one second. People are sleeping on the Havoc. I love Pretty that. impressive. Pretty impressive stuff. I think that the turbochargers are a really valuable hop-up, and knowing just what you can achieve with it is crucial. I mean, we Absolutely. talk about ceiling all the time. We talk about that skill cap ceiling, like, oh man, like you said, Henry, wingman, if you can just, you know, get good with it. Seems like a gun that maybe you should try and get good with. I just love as well that the game is, and when we dive into the numbers, we really see it. You know, Dan, you mentioned it with those prowler changes and such. Like the differences in the numbers, the slight changes. Okay, a gold hop up. There's legit balancing that's going on in every way, shape, and form of the game with the numbers and the guns. And it's so exciting to kind of dive into and look at and see. And the Havoc's a prime example of that with the turbo. Absolutely. And the, the caveat I will say about the Havoc, I, I have this information and I've looked at it and I've known it. And I still rarely find myself picking up the Havoc because I just can't hit anything with it. And that's okay. You can look yeah. at these time to kill numbers and trust them. It ultimately comes down to what you can hit, what you can use well. So that being said, if you're saying, oh, I've got to hang on for the turbocharger and, and try and get the absolute most out of the Havoc, well, on the other hand, you could just pick up a flatline 
which has a 1.00 time to kill at purple armor. 0.01 seconds different. And you completely don't have to worry about the whole turbocharger business anymore. So my personal plug, the one that I, the AR that I use more than anything else is the flatline. And I just had to put that in there because technically it's not the best, but it's only a tiny, tiny bit below the best. And that's even when the best has the turbocharger. I think I love the flatline. You know, I've been trying to to sell this weapon for a long, long time. The fact that it can essentially mirror a other assault rifle with a gold hop up is really impressive. And I think that something that's unique about the flatline is that it has a lot of damage. It has a large clip. It can be easier to use, but this speed and that difference between the havoc and the flatline. The human eye can't even detect that. Mm-hmm. You know, a hundredth of a second is really, you can't notice that. So the fact that you can stand here and say, wow, the flatline is the best gun in the game and it doesn't require a lot of fluff to make it happen like the Havoc does. Yeah, I've never uh, I've never felt like, oh man, that one one hundredth of a second, if I could just get that back, that would have been the difference between me winning or losing the fight. That's that's a really good point. And I love that the in this comparison, you gotta go find a gold hop up for the havoc. Flatline, well, you don't you can't get a barrel stabilizer, but that also means you don't need to find the barrel stabilizer. All you need to do is really get your mag and you're pretty much set to rock with this gun at a very, very high level. Absolutely, especially if you've got that uh, throwback reactive skin with the iron Ooh. sights. Mm. That that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And you don't need to remind us that <laughs> we don't have cross progression back. Come on, man. <laughs> hey, fingers crossed, it's coming this year. We'll see, or next year rather. Early next year. That's the hope. <laughs> yeah. The last thing I'll say about the havoc before we move on to the next next thing about time to kill is the turbocharger does still sometimes come in the replicators, so. That turns this whole conversation on its head of me saying, oh, the Havoc's great, but good luck finding a turbocharger. There are times when you can literally get one for basically free just by grabbing the materials, and I still don't see people running it. So if, if you're looking to absolutely melt people and catch them by surprise, when the turbocharger's in the store, go for it. Give it a shot. Practice it in the firing range. Get that recoil down. It will not let you down. Love it. All right, so beyond the assault rifles, we're looking at what has the best time to kill per weapon class. So we've, as we said, we've crunched the numbers with all the different weapons in the game, purple armor, purple attachments. What has the best time to kill? If we're looking in the pistol category, that's going to be the RE45. People always talk up the wingman. It's time to kill is pretty low. It's at 1.54, whereas the RE45 is 1.23. Pretty respectable. Pretty respectable for a gun that people sleep on all the time. We've been saying it in the arena's guide. Great Absolutely. buy. <laughs> Absolutely. You move on to the SMGs, and you're back with what we've all expected for the long time. R99, still king of the SMGs when it comes to time to kill. Sitting at a flat 1.00 seconds. Back in the ARs, as we said, the flatline and the Havoc are sitting at one and 0.99 with the turbocharger. Pretty pretty sizable lead over the next best competition as well. Then you get to the marksman rifles, and the third-party special G7 sitting at 1.25 seconds, 
that beats out the uh, the bow and the thirty thirty pretty pretty easily. That's my guy, <laughs> the eight seven scout. Yeah, <laughs> gotta love it since day one. Then we go on to the LMGs and the newcomer devotion. Uh, sorry, the newcomer charged rampage is only at one point zero eight seconds. The turbocharged devotion is at is in first place at one point zero four seconds. So it's it's getting a lot of attention and I think it's in a pretty balanced spot, but you wouldn't know that if you watched most of the popular streamers nowadays. A lot of people are upset when they're getting run down by a charged rampage. But I love the shade. Yes. It, it's still not the best LMG. And the best LMG has been in the same state since it was dropped out of the care package several seasons ago. Yep. The devotion's still supreme. Snipers, you move on, you got the longbow. Again, not a huge surprise just because Sentinel fire is pretty darn slow and charge rifle is a whole beast in and of itself. We're not talking about the triple take now just because that's in the care package, RIP, but the longbow beats out the Sentinel and, and the charge rifle. Of note, interesting, the charged Sentinel has the same time to kill as the regular Sentinel because it still takes three shots to kill somebody with blue armor. The only time the charged sentinel is actually has a faster time to kill is against an enemy with blue armor, 175 health, because that means two shots will deal 176, just barely getting you down from three shots to two shots. That's, that's coming by the skin of your teeth right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, what if that one shot's a leg shot? Well, mm-hmm. sorry, you're still going to need another one. So it, it's interesting to see how the time to kill isn't really affected by some of these things. And then lastly, with the shotguns, even after the recent nerfs, the EVA 8 still reigns supreme, sitting at a 1.06 second time to kill. The next best, actually, the Mozambique, sitting at 1.35. So the Mastiff and the Peacekeeper, they definitely have their uses as a high damage one-shot weapon, but... The Eva is still on top, and the Mozambique is still being slept on. That's Dan, right. You've broken down this information. This is all great. We know the best weapons. We know the concept of time to kill. But answer this question for the public now. How does this one help you just win more games in general? Sure thing. So, again, we've said that time to kill isn't the full picture. You know, the the number of times in a game of Apex that you'll stand in a straight line from another guy and you both start shooting at the same time and you both land all your shots and you won because you had the better time to kill weapon. Those are few and far between. But everything counts. This is a game of one HP clutches and getting away at the last second of your ability cooldown. You know, every second, every millisecond matters in this game. And so... If you're new to the game and you haven't practiced many of the weapons and you want to look and see, all right, what is the best gun that I can practice and get good at and will give me the best chance of winning? Looking at stuff like this is going to serve you well. I think that makes a lot of sense. I absolutely love it. Before we get into the other numbers, though, here's a quick message we wanted to deliver with Dan. So as some of you may know, I'm also a registered nurse. I specialize in pediatrics, and I wanted to talk to you guys very briefly today about the COVID-19 vaccine. 
I know there's a lot of news coming out now that um, there are some breakthrough cases where people who are still vaccinated are catching coronavirus, and that is true. But when you look at the data that's coming out now, the hospitalization rate for unvaccinated people is still 39 times higher than that of people who are fully vaccinated. And the COVID death rate is 22 times higher. It's pretty clear that vaccination is still hugely, hugely effective at protecting you and the people you love from getting coronavirus and having serious health complications from it. Despite that, only about 50% of people in the United States are fully vaccinated. So I just wanted to take this brief moment to encourage you all to look up whatever information you need to online. All the information is out there about these studies. They're safe, they're effective, they work. And the best thing that you can do right now to keep yourself and your loved ones safe is please, if you haven't already, please go get vaccinated. Well said, Dan. Now, let's take a quick little break here and hear a word from our sponsors. Welcome back. Okay. We got to keep it rolling. Henry, your turn to shine a little bit here. Walk us through, I think, your absolute favorite number since the creation of Apex Legends and this podcast that's been shared and break it down for us. Sure thing, Shay. I think that... This is probably one that people can anticipate if they've been listening for a long time. But the third party statistic is the accuracy metric. And why is that? Essentially, the accuracy number allows you to gauge how easy is it to achieve results with the specific weapon. If we put the second variable on top of the time to kill that Dan walked us through, we can get a better indication as to, okay, is this usable? A weapon can have a really, really low time to kill, but if you have to hit every shot or if you have to be really, really accurate, then maybe another weapon that is a little easier can actually give you more positive results and actually give you a faster knock because you have a little bit more margin for error. You don't have to reload. If you think about wasting an entire clip because you had to because the recoil was too much or the damage was too low to get the knock, that just kills any semblance of a time to kill record that you're trying to set um, with a, a high skill gun. So how is accuracy calculated? We're looking at damage per shot to the body. No headshots, no limb shots, no fortified. What the formula looks like is we get accuracy percentage from always looking at purple, so purple armor and max magazine size. So a purple mag, if one is applicable. In order to do the calculation, we take 200 hit points, so an enemy with purple armor, divide that by the body damage of a weapon, then divide that by the max magazine size. There's also a component of rounding here because we would get skewed numbers in terms of accuracy if we said, oh, it takes 4.5 shots to knock an enemy and then we divide that by the number of rounds in a clip, that's not going to give us a real number because you can't hit half a shot. So there's always that rounding up in this calculation. And what we get from accuracy is how many shots does it take to knock an enemy with purple armor, and then what is the percentage of those shots from the max magazine size? 
we look at this number a lot. We, we crunch this number a lot. We speak about it on the show a lot. But the cold, hard truth is, like most numbers, this number does not matter by itself at all. Who cares if you only need to hit one percentage of your shots? If it takes three seconds to knock an enemy, Dan will tell you that that is a horrible time to kill. I sure will. So we have to combine these two variables, the time to kill and the accuracy, to introduce a new number, the power rating. And this is something that I'm excited about because I think we're getting closer and closer to getting a better grasp on what are the best well-rounded weapons, most powerful overall. So this power rating idea is combining the speed and the ease of use, simply multiplying the purple armor time to kill and the purple accuracy requirement, we can achieve the power rating. From these results, we see that based on class, the best pistol is the RE45, the best SMG is the Prowler, the best AR is the Flatline, the best DMR is the G7 or Marksman, the best LMG is the Rampage, best sniper longbow, best shotgun is the EVA 8. Now, there are some exceptions to this, which I like to point out because the wingman with the new boosted loader actually outperforms the RE45 by quite a margin. And in the assault rifles, the boosted loader on the Hemlock and the turbocharger on the Havoc outperform the flatline. And then in the LMGs, of course, the turbocharged devotion just meets the baseline rampage. And so we have these gold hop-ups that actually meet or exceed um, the best power rating per each class, which I think is a really interesting thing. It's the first time we've had something like this in a while. You know, we've done all the breakdowns with Anvil and we always called it the most impactful hop up to ever come to Apex Legends. But that was more of a versatility thing, more or less so a actual time to kill statistical uh, proof. And so this is very awesome to see in terms of the balanced loot pool as is. Yeah, we'll we'll talk more about the boosted loader here soon on Mm -hmm. an upcoming episode. But in terms of actual number crunching, it's a major impact as much as the turbocharger. Now, this idea of the power rating, this is still a very controversial metric because so many players are attached to what they believe to be the best in the game. Combining the ease of use with power potential is the most fair way to compare weapons in a battle royale, where no matter your skill level or how much you practice, you're going into every fight missing shots. It's just the truth. I'm sorry, but there's third parties. Sometimes there's clean 3v3s. There's loot in the mix, abilities, throwables, so much that if you if you want to get a grasp on what are the better weapons, we're getting as close as possible to that. But today we're going to take it one step further than accuracy and this new power rating. Because what about recoil? How hard is it to actually hit the shots? You could have a low accuracy requirement like the flatline, but the recoil is horizontal, difficult to control. Who cares what the numbers say about accuracy and time to kill if you just can't land the shots? So introducing the weighted power rating. I think this is a game changer. 
every time we do a numbers episode, we get something new and something. Uh, <laughs> the, the numbers are improving each and every episode. <laughs> it's it's just, crazy. My mind has been blown because Henry will come to me and say, all right, I am going to find a way to mathematically prove the best gun in the game. And I tell him every time, it can't be done. There's just too many things. And here we are with the weighted power rating. And I honestly got to say, I think he's right on the money with this one. I mean, I I love it. Like, obviously, there's some interpretation that's going to come in here, but it's the third party podcast. This is the interpretation you guys got to trust, right? (laughs) That's right. That's right, guys. I I appreciate the support on this one. Um, But to just, because this is a numbers episode, it's like my dream. Um, (laughs) For the weighted power rating, exactly what we're going to do is we assign each weapon a score, one through three, on how difficult it is to use. And we're really looking purely on like projectile speed, recoil patterns, the actual how hard is it to get a bullet from the barrel to an enemy. Not looking at the rate of fire, not looking at the um, magazine size per se, or the accuracy, we're just trying to keep that score as clean as possible, one through three. Then we use that number to calculate a weight. So we're choosing to go with a 0.2 score for a 1 or a 0.6 for a 3 or the most difficult weapon to use. Now, this weighting actually changes some of the results for the best weapons in each class. For the pistols, there's no change. RE45 reigns supreme. The SMG, the Volt, replaces the Prowler. For the ARs, the R301 replaces the Flatline. And then for the Marksman's G7 stays real. The Rampage <laughs> controls the LMGs. Longbow and Eva 8 maintain their class dominance. So that being said, how does this help you win more games? Pretty simple. Like Dan said, with Time to Kill, this is very similar. Use these weapons. Please prioritize getting comfortable with the R301, the Volt, the Rampage, the G7. Your highest chances of success are with these weapons. Given their power to difficulty score and versatility, go ahead and practice the EVA 8. But if the map, situation, and legend don't line up, you could get yourself knocked by one of these other weapons. I love it. Weighted power ranking is going to be a new staple each and every time we start talking numbers, I feel like, uh, at this point. Then you're you're another you you and Henry are the two number guys here. You guys go crazy in depth. Do you have anything you want to share on this kind of number before we move on to the next one and how you think it can even further help win games at all? No, I, I think the beauty of this is that you look at the results and they tend to line up with what you see people using at the highest level. Mm-hmm. You know, people are running R three hundred one Eva in all the comp settings. If they want a poke weapon, they're using the G seven. The Rampage obviously hasn't been around long enough to know, but the SMGs, people are slaying out with the Vault too. And mm-hmm. I think it goes to show that, yes, time to kill is really important. And if I just talked about how you got to squeeze every last millisecond out, well, it's not everything. And it's not everything even for the pros. The pros still miss shots. So you have to look at the whole picture. And using this weighted power ranking, you can get a pretty good feel for what is the best balance of damage accuracy required, and ease of use. And I think it makes sense to see the R301, Volt, Rampage, and G7 at the top. 
Man, if the G7 was at the top, I don't know what Henry would do with the meta. <laughs> He'd have to go back happens. and tweak some of those numbers. Because, like, I don't want people to get the wrong impression from this either. Like, oh, wow, Henry, all you use is these weapons. That's so boring. I honestly really like using the P2020 like mm-hmm. in arenas, and it works for me. And so there's always these exceptions. But I feel that if you deviate from this list, you're either having fun or challenging yourself. If you want to win, just go by this list. I think it's mm-hmm. your best bet. And at the end of the day, that's what we're doing. We're going into a BR with a lot of enemies, with a lot of variability. We're betting on success. And I think the choices you can make in your weapon really can stack the odds in your favor. Well said, especially with so many new people joining the game right now. And there are a lot of guns in Apex Legends. And if you were dropping in for the first time, It'd be hard to know if the Mozambique was going to be as good as the Mastiff or the Eva or something. And so this is a very good baseline for the newer people to the game that we've had join the podcast recently and for the experienced people that want to take their game to the next level and up that win rate, up that KD. But now we're going to head on to the third number and slightly away from the weapons of Apex Legends, essentially. And we're going to be talking about the heals. And why is this important is a very good question because legends are such a big aspect of the game. It's a gun game first is what everybody says. Healing is going to be one of the most common activities that takes place in the battle royale. You're going to shoot, you're going to get shot and understanding when to heal and which one to use is one of those big separators right now between those new players and experienced ones. I mean, Henry, you even plan a lot and we joke a lot uh, off, you know, stream sometimes off podcast about like we got these new people to the game and I've gotten questions like, hey, should I carry 22 cells or like something crazy? There's some knowledge that needs to be known here. <laughs> yeah, there 100% can definitely be room for improvement, especially as a, as a newer player or just a less experienced player and heals, just like you said, Jay are a major separator and just experience from not experience. And it really dictates fights. A lot of people that are coming to the game are noticing that, wow, Apex is a shield heavy game. The time to kill is longer. People have a lot of hit points. It means Mm -hmm. fights are more drawn out. And if fights are more drawn out, that means healing or not healing could probably be maybe more of a deciding factor than headshots or abilities. Healing is major. Well, and it's just very interesting. Apex is one of the few games where there's a lot of different ways to heal, whether it is your legend or the heals straight up that we're going to be talking about today. Healing is another important thing, though, for controlling your inventory and managing your inventory. And we're not going to dive too far into this. Uh, We discussed it in our episode that was titled Five Ways to Win More. So go feel free to check that out if you kind of want the breakdown of what we carry and why. But now let's talk about each heal. And we've put together a little bit of a table of the order based on what we believe is the best value and importance in game. No surprise here, coming in at number one, the battery, the third party bat life. Obviously you can hold two in one stack as your inventory. It's gonna heal 100 points towards your shields. Gonna take you five seconds to pop one of these. And then we have our stat of, you know, heals per second, heal points per second, and that comes in at 20. And this is really good comparison because when we look at the shield cells, which you can hold up to four in an inventory slot, they heal 25 each, they take three seconds. 
all that sounds good and all, you know, compare it to the bat. It's where you get these heal points per second that you kind of see the difference. Battery, you're coming in at 20. Cell, you're coming in at 8.3. That's a pretty drastic difference and showcases the battery. Henry, Dan, I know you guys are both in on the bat life. Are you carrying 12 still at this point, Henry? <laughs> I try to get as many bats as I can. I, I think the batteries are really crucial. And I'll let Dan chime in here, but I'm struggling right now in arenas to scale back my batteries. I don't <laughs> need five or six, like, but I always want to make sure that I have them and I have them for my teammates in whatever game mode I'm playing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. In, in BR, I find myself... If there's a battery, I'm picking it up. It doesn't matter what I have to drop to get it or how many I already have. I'm throwing them in the bag. And then I'm just basically graciously gifting my inevitable killer with an unlimited supply of batteries (laughs) because I didn't have enough ammo or throwables or ult excels to win the fight. So there is a balance to be struck for sure, but you want to be carrying four, six minimum in BR. Arenas... After round three, you get one for free. Depending on the map, you can get away with two, three. But you definitely want to have them towards the later rounds for sure. We could go down a rabbit hole talking bats and arenas and all that fun stuff right now. The next heal, though, we have coming up is the med kit. And I just want to clarify, bats and cells, guys, these are coming up top because one, they're heal more efficiently, and two, you guys are more likely to use them. You take damage to your shields first, secondly to your health. We always talk about if you're using a med kit, if you're using a phoenix kit, you're not in an ideal situation already. And so hopefully you don't have to be stacked up on med kits and phoenix kits and syringes. Med kits though, like bats, two per inventory slot, they're going to heal 100 health towards your body. It's going to take you eight seconds to pop one of these, which comes out to 12.5 heal points per second. Next, we have the Phoenix Kit. Such a fun one I think we can spitball about a little bit today because this is one that the rarity outweighs where we believe this ranks in the categories of heals. You can carry one Phoenix Kit per inventory slot, 200 health. It's going to heal everything, you know, regardless of where you're at. It takes you 10 seconds to pop one of these 20 heal points per second, which is the same as the bat. Here is where I want to let you guys maybe spitball a little bit about the Phoenix kit and hear your breakdowns. Dan, let's start with you, though. What are your some of uh, impressions on the Phoenix kit and why we may have it slightly lower on this list? It just takes so darn long to use. That 10 mm-hmm. seconds is a long, long time. And I have found so many times I'll be get down to one shot and I solo queue a lot. I know it's it's not encouraged, but I can't count on my teammates to hold off the opponent from pushing me when they know mm-hmm. I'm one shot, especially when there are so many seers on the map who know how much health you have at all times. I can't count on them for holding them off for 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. That's a long time to just take yourself out of the fight. And so I end up dying with two seconds left on my Phoenix kit all the time. You're much better off popping that battery, running back in, even if you only have 25 health, because 125 in five seconds is a whole lot better than nothing in eight seconds when you get pushed. That's a great point. Nothing in eight seconds is not the situation you want to find yourself in. That's a really good point. And I think just 
for the Phoenix kit, yeah, it's this purple rarity item. Mm-hmm. But given that it takes such a huge price in terms of time and inventory, it doesn't get the value for its use case. When do you use a Phoenix kit? If we if we are establishing that you cannot use it during a fight, which I really stand by, I think we're all in agreement, mm-hmm. then do you use it after a fight? Probably not because one, 10 seconds to be completely vulnerable to a third party is scary, but more often than not, you're going to armor swap. And so you're not even going to need to use a Phoenix kit and take the extra time. So it's just like, when do you use this? And so carrying a Phoenix kit is sometimes a waste. Yeah. The armor swap is going to be the most efficient healing metric in Apex Legends if you can get it down to an efficient science. The last, obviously, heal in our list is the syringes, four per slot, like the cell, 25 straight to the body in terms of what you're healing. It's going to take you five seconds to pop one of these, five heal points per second. It's the least efficient. If you find yourself popping syringes to heal up all the way, uh, you're hopefully just really far away from all your enemies at that point because you're not in a great situation to succeed right now. Before we talk about gold armor, do you guys want to tag in anything here? I think that healing is so important. And, you know, you can bring up the idea of armor swapping, which is a major game changer. The other Mm -hmm. additional element outside of consumable based healing items, you have lifeline and you have the dock drop. Mm -hmm. And what lifelines tactical does is for 20 seconds allows you to get a eight heal per second health from it. And that caps out at 150. And so that really allows you to all at the same time heal everybody's health on a team, roughly 50 health per person. That's that's pretty good, honestly. That tactical and its healing speed right now is very strong. And I think mm-hmm. considering that when you are electing, okay, do I carry syringes or use syringes? I'm telling you, the, the dock drone does fill a place and it is much faster. Eight seconds, you know, or eight heals per second compared to five heals per second. That is a huge spread. We talked about it when the dock drone kind of got its change. Most recently, it, it has become a legitimate in combat healing ability, something that can make that difference. And you know, when we talk about time to kill and accuracy, gaining some health and some time can, you know, change some things in that sense. So, very well said, important to note. Let's talk about gold armor, though. It's obviously the other variable in healing. Just a reminder what it does. Syringes and shield cells heal for 50 instead of 25. What's that do in terms of our rankings and our uh, time to heal times? Uh, the cell is going to heal 50 health instead, and that's going to double the hit point, heal points per second. We do still have the bat on top above the cell. Don't worry, guys. We're going to explain this line of thinking here in a second. It's maybe not be intuitive. Syringes are still going to come towards the bottom. You know, 50 health instead of the 25. You're still only healing at 10 heal points per second. It's still the least efficient in terms of your use case. Here's the thing. Batteries and med kits are still stronger for healing when you're healing more than 50 HP. And I think that's kind of the important thing to look at. In terms of speed, a little better. And inventory management, you're looking at very similar things. Four cells will heal 200 total health points. 
Hopefully you guys don't have to heal 200 total health points in total. I hope not. And two bats are also going to heal 200 health. So why use gold armor in that sense? You know, Henry, I know you even you love to talk about how like if you have gold and you're really not a gold armor user, but if you're at like 75 out of your 100, you almost feel like you don't want to use a cell because you're not, I think, in your head maximizing it. And so there is like that whole nother variable as well that comes into thinking when we're looking at the heels. But did you want to expand? No, I think that gold armor can be very shiny and exciting, mm-hmm. but where it, it strides is in a very specific situation and you're about to get to it. So I'll let you finish. Yeah. So there's two key benefits to the gold armor. And it's the reason that I personally do use gold armor and and one of the people that on the team that's willing to take that. Being able to heal fast in combat of that, you know, 25 to 50 health is a huge speed advantage, specifically with those cells. We just talked about how a lifeline doc drone can make the difference between, you know, a little, you know, win or loss potentially in a fight. To be able to duck around a corner, pop a cell off, well, for most people rocking regular Evo, that's only 25. And that might not be worth the risk case of healing for three seconds mid-combat. Once you start talking about 50 health, then we start to see a significant you know, reasoning for that's going to alter the fight. That's going to alter how many more shots they need to hit as the opposing team. And then the second other benefit for gold armor is you can share the bats, share the wealth. And that's why Henry loves it when I pick up the gold armor because I send him all the bats so he can uh, carry up to 20 if he, if he really likes to. And that can really turn the tides just due to pa- the bats' power in fights are absolutely phenomenal in terms of the game. That's kind of the gold armor breakdown. But here's kind of the big question. The big question in terms of we're talking about healing in combat. We're talking about healing during a battle royale. When do you cancel a heal? I think that's kind of a fun question. I'm going to actually throw it to you. I know you have some kind of ideas you'd like to share. What are some of your thoughts on when should I cancel a heal? Because that does not feel intuitive, I don't think, for anyone that's been playing a shooter game at all during their lifetime. Yeah, I mean, it's such a natural feeling to want to finish what you start. And so canceling (laughs) anything, whether it's not firing the whole mag or canceling your consumable is a hard decision. Um, But there's a couple of situations where you're going to do that. And to tie back quickly while we were just on it, gold armor, even though popping two cells takes longer than one bat for the same amount of heals, Mm -hmm. that's not efficient. I don't like that. But the reason that it might still be a benefit in different situations is you're not five seconds or nothing. Mm-hmm. You're three seconds in something and then another three seconds in something. That allows you that to, pause. at the halfway mm-hmm. point, decide, all right, are we taking heavy fire? Do we need to move? And it just keeps you faster, more reactive. And so that's another kind of good use case of, okay, you could cancel almost your full heal with the gold mm-hmm. armor. A lot more uh, risky or expensive to cancel a battery in the middle of a fight. Canceling a battery sucks. <laughs> yeah, it really does. But there's a couple different situations where you will want to cancel a heal in a fight. And I'd like to introduce this idea of target focusing. A lot of times, um, cover in a BR, in any shooter, 
um, will come into play in a gunfight. All the enemies will be focusing on the first one they see. They're going to be target focusing your teammate. All right. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how much health you have at that point. If you're not being fired upon, cancel your heal. It's way better to take the open shot, to score some unreturned hits to an enemy and relieve pressure from your teammate. And so being aware of your surroundings and understanding, okay, who's at risk right now? Should I hide and let my teammate take a two-on-one or a three-on-one? Or is now the time where I can actually turn the tide? And even though I may not have full health, I can do a lot more benefit than fully heal myself and then jump right in to a a three-on-one or a two-on-one. You have Mm -hmm. to make that logical leap in when to cancel. Totally. Other things, we already talked about this idea of a phoenix. If you're phoenixing in the middle of a fight, you're essentially throwing it, okay? Unless both your teammates are fully withdrawn and you are as well, well, then the fight is completely over or at least paused. So then do whatever you want. But (laughs) do not phoenix in a fight. Just have to reiterate that. And then another idea of when to cancel a heal is something that Shay and I implement in our game. And it's called the triangle formation, or you call it triangle offense. And this is a third-party favorite because you come in in kind of a triangle rotation pattern. First attacker comes in, deals damage, takes damage, hopefully to just the shields, and then retreats and is replaced by a teammate. So while that first attacker heals, they're returning fire, keeping that constant pressure with minimal exposure to risk. This is a really great strategy at kind of keeping pressure on the enemy so they don't advance. You can use it at longer ranges. Um, I think another way to maybe convey this strategy is it's almost like the Immortals strategy where you can never actually break the line because it's always getting replenished and it's always attacking you. And so that's kind of a good way to maybe not necessarily need to cancel a heal, but go into the fight knowing this is how we're going to manage what we're going to face, essentially. Mm-hmm. Well, it's knowing when to heal. So you don't have to cancel in that same way. And so that's that's kind of being on the same wavelength and that's going to be really effective. The last question in this kind of healing conversation around the numbers is, when do you res? It takes six seconds to res. Gibraltar, four and a half seconds, you know, under the dome, obviously. Very nice. When's it safe to res? Hopefully after the fight's gone and you did your 360 as a seer and you know that nobody's coming at all nearby. When is it safe to res mid-fight is kind of the fun question. And that's going to come down to a couple of things. This is the non-numbers part of the numbers conversation. You got to know how many teammates are up, right? If you have two teammates down, odds of you getting the res off on one are not high. How much damage was put out is very much a key factor though. Be in communication with your team. You should know, hey, if we cracked two of their shields and they downed one person, they might be going for their heals. You know how long that is going to take now. You know that it's going to take them uh, five seconds to pop that bat, theoretically. Well, if it's going to take them five seconds to pop a bat, if you instantaneously go for a res, can you get that off in six seconds? That's going to depend on your geographic location, essentially. How far away from the fight are you? There's a lot of variables, essentially, to consider for this mid fight res if you see someone popping a phoenix do whatever you want and and then you can have a great time you take your time wait a second to res 
have a good time. Just, just put chill a pot at that of point. tea on. You put know. a pot of tea on. <laughs> yeah, I, but that. Yeah, feel free. The, the mid fight res is nearly impossible too. Mm-hmm. It's like if you go down two three, that is a massive setback, and that's why understanding healing and inventory management is so important because it can prevent actually having one of your teammates or yourself being knocked. And this also just plays into the unique strength of Lifeline that the mid-combat res, the mid-combat heal with the tactical, Lifeline has such a unique ability to, when her team is on the back foot, she can kind of regain the balance. And Mm -hmm. you couple that with other legends that can give a little bit of offense and man, you can turn the tide from pretty much an impossible situation going down two, three, or one, three. Um, it's impressive. So consider that. Um, but the mid mid res is uh, the mid fight res is hard. It really is. It is. It's very hard. Let's wrap up this conversation, though, guys. I'll let you guys uh, take it away and explain to the audience. Give a little recap. Why do the numbers matter? And where are we at after having this full conversation? Dan, you're the numbers man. Take it away a little bit here. Sure, sure. So, I mean, we, we've covered a whole lot. And I know there's a lot of information that has just been thrown at you, more so than in some of the other episodes. But the key takeaways, I think, are time to kill is important. And you should pay attention to that when picking up weapons and when deciding what to practice. But ultimately, all the numbers combine into a bigger picture. And Henry can talk a little bit more about that just to show, yes, I think you can determine which guns are best. And it's not which one is best at any individual stat. It's you combine everything together, get a good picture, and that leaves you with with Henry. Take it away. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that you put it well. I mean, the time to kill is a raw number almost. We do calculate it. It's kind of a a creation of our own, but a time to kill shows you what can the weapon do? Like what is what's being given to you as the player? A weapon uh, a stat like accuracy or what you have to do in terms of the power rating to establish what weapon to use. That's more how can you put that time to kill into practice and actually make it happen? And that's where we have the combination of numbers where, all right, the bow has some incredible metrics. Is it the best weapon in Apex? No. Like, you can't look at all these numbers and come to a conclusion that one weapon with one or two strengths is the best because this is a BR. And if it's not a BR, it's in arenas. You're talking abilities, you're talking healing. There's so many variables that you want to have the most well rounded, versatile, forgiving, powerful weapon you can. And the numbers that we described in this episode, I think, paint that clear current picture as to what's good. What should you use? Yep. Numbers matter. That's the, that's the end goal. In the end, if you understand this in some way, shape, or form, it will purposefully help your game or subconsciously help your game. You don't need to go into every, you know, drop in and say, okay, I'm going to only use this flat line because of that time to kill. Like there are other variables as we mentioned, but knowing that I should be on the lookout for this, maybe I should swap to this in this situation that can, that can help you. That can help you in the back head, 
back half of a game. Let's wrap it up though. Five star questions. If you want your question answered, please leave it in the form of a five star review on Apple Pods. This is going to be fun. We got Dan's opinion here as well to answer some questions. So uh, it's a special day for the people that made it onto this show. We're going to start with a question coming from Bree Flex. I'm probably an opposite player to you guys. Super sweaty and competitive, but my personal opinion is that the Rampage is too weak to use. To me, I'm not trying to carry a weapon around that I have to charge up to compete with other guns. In terms of TTK, it's just not there. Some people say it's good for range, but a plethora of guns are good at range. We have multiple categories of guns for longer range fights, and so many of them fulfill that role better. So for me, it's one of the lowest ranked guns in the game, and for sure the last gun I want to use on my heavy ammo. New to this podcast and love the format, and you guys seem like good people. If I had one question, it would be, what is your favorite piece of advice to give to those Call of Duty noobs? I know mine is always to make sure they keep their feet on the ground while shooting. Oh. Man. Yeah, what gas a Call of Duty kids. That was good. Uh, there were some good thoughts there. Yes. Well, I would just like to say for myself that I am sweaty and competitive. <laughs> all right. I want to win. So I definitely I relate to you maybe more than you may think, Flex. Um, but this idea about the rampage, I mean, what a perfect episode to come in uh to just hear everybody's thoughts on this. I'll start it off by saying, you're right. The time to kill alone, that kind of raw metric, is weaker than all the ARs, all the SMGs. But it's not just that one variable that makes the rampage so strong. You have to look at that time to kill and the accuracy and everything that we talked about today. Well said. I don't think we need to reiterate everything said today. What is that advice you would give to Call of Duty noobs, though, Dan? I would just say, the Call of Duty noobs have been beating me up in the arenas. I've seen a whole lot of people that are under level 50 who are wiping the floor with me. So I think I need to take some advice from some of these Call of Duty noobs. But if I were to give any, I would say, honestly, go back and listen to the podcast. It explains a lot of some of the intro Damn. stuff to the game. Love it. <laughs> and and you'll figure out some of those finer mechanics, rotations, inventory management. You know, there's an episode on everything. Dan is trying to get back on the show. He's trying to get on our <laughs> good side. Yeah. It's a good point, though. I think arenas is a great time for Call of Duty players, very high gun skill players to shine, less variables, all that kind of matters in some sense is that you got to hit your shots in that situation more than any other. And so that is a good opportunity for them. In terms of advice I would give to new players to the game and the Call of Duty noobs, people that are familiar with BRs and first person shooters is that Apex is going to be a very challenging game to get a grasp on the looting. Don't go loot through every building, every bin, loot bodies not buildings, loot boxes, not buildings. That's kind of the the motto for the longtime players around here. It's really nice when everything's put in one spot for you. The less time you loot, the better. And that's kind of a, a little t- metric to have with you. I like it. Good stuff. Next question coming from Young Dagger Dice. First off, I just want to thank you guys for creating this podcast. I listen to it every week during work, and it always makes the workday so much better. My question is, how would you rank the legends as basketball players? From previous podcasts, it seems that you guys play a pretty little bit of basketball. What legends do you think would really crush it in basketball? Thanks, guys. What a great question. Man, what, a what a great question. I feel like, okay, I, I, I got to say, like, first instinct, 
you got to get your big center in the middle. Gibraltar would just be unstoppable, wouldn't he? The man's a monster. He'd be dunking on everyone. And he's got that charisma, team chemistry, wants to help everyone out. Like He's not going to put up a fight if he doesn't get a couple of shots in the game. If he just has to set hard screens and dominate inside, he's going to be happy if he's just helping brothers out. He's going to be opening up the skies on that net for sure. <laughs> yeah, and that's the that's thing about no this. Doubt. Like sportsmanship, I think, plays a much bigger role than physicality. But I think that Gibraltar is going to be a big physical presence on the floor. The vertical potential might not be there. I think Octane could fill in there, you know, to actually yeah. get those those leaps if he's allowed to use some enhancement. I really want to say Pathfinder has a good chance. He's got the the size, he's got the weight to make it happen. I worry about the coordination, being able to dribble and actually hit those shots, but he's accomplished a lot in the game, so I'm sure he could handle the court. And I was literally going to say, I feel like the robot's going to be broken because can't yeah. he just like Dial learn how to in. shoot and make it every single time? Like Dial it's it not in. even a problem. And if we're talking abilities, uh, yeah, that's where I was going. If we're talking abilities, Val can just hover above the net. She's blocking (laughs) everything, flying all over the place. She doesn't need to dribble. I think she's a little broken. That's goaltending, okay? (laughs) This could... This could be a really fun uh, topic for a uh, a Patreon episode. Absolutely. Best starting five for Apex Legends. And we'll see uh, where everybody goes with that. Be epic. Last question of the day, though. Simply Kroll. I'm a Valk main, and I feel like a Valk main, and I feel like her jetpack depletes faster and takes longer for it to charge up. Maybe not, but I wanted to get your thoughts. Yeah, Kroll, I love Valk so much. And I think... This is not the case. She hasn't gotten any secret nerf. I've looked into it. I think we just love to fly. And when you can't mm-hmm. fly, it's sad. And so measuring that fuel output and you know making sure that you always have some in the tank is really key to making sure that you can always control the skies. There well is said. one actually really important thing about her jetpack cooldown is that it is not impacted by the gold helmet. The tech, mm-hmm. the passive does not refill any faster if you have a gold helmet. I was so excited to find a gold helmet and I timed it out and it doesn't work. So hesitate on picking that up. Leave it with the bloodhound. It's uh, it's not as good on Valk as you might think. And that's why Dan's our numbers expert. Just who else is <laughs> going to get excited to go pick up a gold helmet with Valk and time out the passive? Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was an absolute pleasure to have you. You got anything else, any other kind words or things you want to say to the listeners that are hearing your voice for the first time on the third party? No, the pleasure was all mine. I, I really appreciate it, guys. If if any of you guys out there have questions about any of the numbers or any questions about uh, vaccine stuff, you know, as you might guess from my username in the Discord, I'm the sober nurse. Please feel free to reach out to me, message me, hit me up. I'm always around, willing to respond. Just, just uh, add me either in the Discord or in game. Love to catch some games with you guys. Love it. Dan's always active in the Discord and he will definitely answer all of your questions. He is not lying when he says that (laughs) in the slightest. Everyone, thanks so much for listening. Thank you, our producers of the third party, Ten and Corey, who support us as dropship captains on Patreon. Make sure you're all subscribed on Apple Pods. Give us a follow on Spotify. Leave a five-star review with your question. We'll answer on our next episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Check us out on Discord via the link in the description. Thank you so much for listening to the Third Party Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in.
whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow.